So you light bold red wine most of the time With notes of fig and raisin You like a cold brew and pitching horseshoes As the sun is fading You like football games and dishing out nicknames The Godfather's one and two But not so fast, we got them podcast We like that too we like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. Welcome back, Bon Vivants, to the We Like That Too podcast. My name's Brad Jones. We are back in the happy confines of the Bon Vivant International Media Center. And of yay. course, join it, and that yay comes from, of course, the head Bon Vivant himself, Mr. It, Keith Inloo. It's so good to be back. You know, I missed the last episode. And I got to give kudos to you and uh, our musical director, David Baker, for filling in. And uh, I, I don't think... You miss you didn't miss me too much. Sound like you had a great time down there in Tulsa with we Brent a, Burns. We had a great time down there with uh, with Uncle Brent, as yeah. he's affectionately known. Yeah. And I hope everybody enjoys that uh, episode. Yeah. He is so revered and so picked on at the same time mm-hmm. in the trop rock world. Well, we so, called but, him a trop rock icon, and I think that's certainly true. So, all you trop rockers out there, if you haven't heard the Brent Burns episode, go back and. And take a listen. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Or better yet, go to Gulf Shores. Go to Lulu's on Mondays, and you can see Brent. Or so. listen to the podcast on your way to Gulf Shores. That's even better. That could work. Listen to all of our podcasts yeah. on the way to Gulf Shores. Special show today, but Real special and, show. And, and, and this is exciting. Yeah, this is a unique show because it uh, the idea found its way sort of uh, unusually – we have a, uh, an organization here in town called the Special Learning Center, and we'll, I'll, I'll explain what they do a little later. But they're a nonprofit organization who was doing a fundraiser, and I was serving on the committee, and they were looking for live auction items for the fundraiser. And you and I and our bottle sponsor, Matt Green, who was also in the studio with us today. bum ba bum Barvino. <laughs> thank you. Barvino, beautiful downtown Jefferson City, and Bar Whiskey. We decided that we would auction off a live guest spot. And wine tasting for four guests. I thought, who would who would want this? You know. Well, people did, and well, people bid on it. They did, and I was shocked at at what it brought. We won't talk about the amount, but it was it did better than I ever thought it would. And and we have our guest to thank for that, and that's Mr. Chip Gentry. Chip, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, it actually with the uh, Colin Gentry team, my best friend Jason Cole over here, his lovely bride Melissa, and my wife Pam. If it uh, wasn't for their support, we just heard wine tasting, and we yeah. were all in. Well, there it, are it, there it are the, the studio best, audience. It's the best looking studio audience we've had since like yesterday. It's a great so, studio I mean, it's audience. A, it's a really it's, good studio audience. Well, we're thrilled to have you, and and Chip gets to be behind the microphone. But you're exactly right. The Call Gentry team came through. First of all, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for supporting yes. the Special Learning Center. And you guys were there that night in multiple capacities. It was a thank, fantastic. Thank night. everyone. So let's talk first of all about the Special Learning Center and what they do. They are a nonprofit organization that tries to service children who have developmental either delays or disabilities. They do things like speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy to get them to where they they can reach their full potential. It's a great organization. All this charity money is going for a really good cause. 
easy to support such a great organization yeah. in our community. Yeah, it really is. So. Yeah, that's a good that's a good moment to ch- cheers. That's a good moment to well, cheers. That's a yeah. cheers. That's a, cheers that's a, yes, that's a special learning there's, center. There's clinkage clinkage there. Oh, listen, ooh, Mr. Inlow, this is a great opportunity for us to thank Mr. Matt Green, our bottle sponsor our bottle for the sponsor. We Like That Too, since the very first one that we did. Charter first sponsor and, ever. Uh, the charter yeah, sponsor. Cheers. The charter sponsor. Two years, 52 episodes. That's right. And he's been there the whole time. So thank, thank you, you, Matt. Yep. For everything and, you've done in the yeah. community, congratulations! By the way, yeah, so, Matt, Matt been really was blessed. recognized at the recent chamber gala as a um, sort of a pioneer award as a young entrepreneur who is uh, an up and comer in Jefferson City, and he is so generous in supporting the community and, and uh, was instrumental in supporting the special learning center event also. So, thank you, Matt. Yeah, very welcome. Very welcome. All right, so today. We're going to take a different approach. This whole show is going to be a wine tasting, uh, and um, and as as Chip, I thought al- all alluded, of our sh- I thought all of our shows. Well, were this is going to be more than tasting. one bottle. We're going to taste actually. <laughs> Eight? We're going to try eight wines today. All right. So, but we're tell us fast. tell us what the format is, Matt. Like, what's you know what are we doing here? Because so it's this a little is different. A, this is an incredible way to experience wines. Okay. So the whole concept is the basis of learning about wine in general, in my opinion. So there's two groups of wine out there in the world, old world wines and new world wines. Right. And they're a lot different. And so old world wines is France, Spain, and Italy, just as just the quick version, France, Spain, and Italy, and the rest of the world's a new world. So every time we taste these wines, these pairs of wines, one from one of those three countries and one not from those three countries – there should be a big difference, and that's what we're going to talk about. What, what differences you okay. guys see in the wine? Right. So, here we go. Hopefully, okay. you guys have already tried the wines. I really haven't. So, I so, haven't yet. so you, you guys try the wines, and I'm going to keep talking. All right. So, we're going to do four different varietals. Yep. I got one question though: Is Germany not considered old world? It is. I said that was the quick version. Remember? Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Portugal. They've been there a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're included. They're included too. And and um, the Greeks have been there a long time. Absolutely. There's some other people oh my included, God. but for the most part, it's those three countries. Here we go. Like Keith said, we're going to do four different varietals, two of each, and we're starting with Sauvignon Blanc. So a lot of times with old world wines, the labels are very hard to understand. But let's talk about what you guys. What, okay. What's different about these two wines? All right, so and these are these are crisp, clean. Side I by mean, side. if you if you look at them side by side, though, little little more yellow in the old world. A little the, not the much. old world's just got a little bit more tint to it, but uh, they're real close. The nose is completely different to me. Yep. To me, the first thing that determines a, a wine for old world or new world is fruit. We might be able to pick out which one's the new world just by saying which one's more fruity. Which one? Which one do we think? N or O? The New World to me is is fruitier. I agree with that, but just barely in this case. The difference to me is the Old World has more acid on it. Yeah, that's, yeah, it does. Am yes. I jumping ahead? No, no, no. Oh, that's sorry. it. Okay, that's definitely it. I mean, I mean, I still get fruit off the Old World, but I get I don't get the acid on the New World that I do on the Old World. Totally, totally. Okay. So what 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 do we what fruits right. do we smell? What what fruits do we do we find in the New World wine? Pear for sure. This is a really cool. This is a really cool Sauvignon Blanc uh, because it comes from a, the one a single, time Jim Gentry is speechless. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another first on the We Like That Too podcast. I'm just really enjoying both of them, so I'm a little overwhelmed at the moment. And and this is a special Sauvignon Blanc because 
there's four different wines all from the same vineyard, and and all four of them taste discernibly different. And this one is particularly known for the the green pepper, the jalap not the jalapeno spice at all, but the the flavor. Ah, you're right. I get that. And the green green pepper, bell pepper. Because I don't really like green peppers. Yeah, this one this one but is I to smell me. It. If you line these four, the okay. So this is the the Sauvignon so, Blanc. So tell us what it is. Yeah, Sauvignon yeah. Blanc from the New World is Ranga Ranga. This is a a cool wine, like I said, because there's four different wines that come from this one single vineyard, and they're all four about the same price range, all the same winemaker. The only thing different about the four wines is the dirt in the vineyard. So it's a different soil type. It's very close to the ocean. And they're all totally different. And this one is the green pepper one. And that's the, how I remember it. The, the dirt Ranga. is the uh, terroir. Oh, absolutely. The term. Yep. I thought you were going to ask me remember, the, the types of soil. No, remember, Bon Vivants, we like that too, is entertaining and educational. educational. That's right. Okay. Absolutely. That's so, what this is all about, so actually. These were fabulous. Uh, we grazed yeah. the surface. We should dump these and pour. We should dump them down our throat. Yes, yeah. we're not dumping okay, anything. So wait, before we dump, before What's we matter before we There's air no quotes, dump. There's no dump these. Mm-hmm. Which which one do we like more? New um, world. I, I'm new an world. old world guy, but I'm uh-huh. yeah. I I'm think an old I, world guy. I like the old world one better, just a little bit. I like the acidity on it. Once you but, said pepper, I was all in on the new world. Yeah. No, and yep. I, but you know, well, what, before you said that, I was going to say I get some like Meyer lemon off of the New World also. Meyer lemon. Uh huh. It's a it's the neighbor to the regular lemon, but <laughs> I must be a distant neighbor because I've never driven by that house. Chip, I'm nothing if not pretentious. Okay, <laughs> both of them clean, crisp patio pounders, as Brad would call them, right? Right. Go down really easy on a hot summer day. Can we get those shipped for a dollar per case? Dollar a case. I will ship. A case of them for one dollar. What's the price point on these wines? We always like to talk about that. And are they fairly uh, easily available to the average consumer? These are incredibly easy for the average Barvino consumer, right? But because they're on we the shelf a, at Barvino, literally but, worldwide audience. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So yes, the answer is yes for Ranga Ranga. So the Sancerre is about thirty bucks, and the New Zealand Sav Blanc is about fifteen. Okay, give give or take. Okay. Um, so yeah, I do want to say one thing though. We talked about this show being entertaining and educational. If you want to educate yourself on anything, you know we have uh, Missouri River Regional Library is also one of our sponsors, and they have a program called the Book Box. You fill out a form with your interests, and they will actually pull books that match your preferences. So you want to educate yourself on wine? Create a book box, fill out the form, put wine in there, all sorts of wine stuff. They're going to start pulling books for you. They'll send you an email when it's ready. And this is not unique to Missouri River Regional Library. If you go to your local library, I'm sure you can find a similar program, but it's a great idea. You know, you want to find books on a certain topic, create a book box. and uh, Well, this is a perfect deal. It's, you know, it goes along with what we've been talking about right here. Let's say you're just getting involved with wines and you you don't know anything about California wines. And frankly, you don't know about anything about the wines. And, and maybe you Why are you sit- looking at me when you say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith. Perhaps you wanted to like brush up okay. on on on, 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 on your on your on your wines. Yeah, you say, "Hey, look, 
Why don't you pull – do you have any books on California wines or Italian wines? Maybe you're going to go to Italy. And, exactly. You know, and, travel and, books. And, yeah, and, there you and go. And from a travel standpoint, we all know that Italy can be the most intimidating wine region because there's like literally thousands of different varietals. Right. Exactly. And, and so there you go. Thank you, Missouri River Regional Library, for being a local sponsor. And Bon Vivants, patronize your local library wherever you are. All sorts of resource materials out there. So, would I be able to get a Meyer lemon book box going? You, yes, you could. Fantastic. It'd probably be very limited <laughs> number of books available. I see but, what you did but there. you never know. You never know. There might be more Meyer lemon books out there that I even know about. All right, what are we bring, right. drinking okay, next? Okay, so the next Matthew. varietal is Chardonnay. Um, it's one of my favorite. The thing that I really want everyone to take away is that Chablis is Chardonnay. Chablis is a region in France where they grow. Chardonnay. And this bottle, in fact, does not say Chardonnay anywhere on the bottle. So that's the first thing that's tough about wine is you got to figure out what it is. And so Chablis is Chardonnay. Chablis is a very famous region in France for Chardonnay where they do not typically use a lot of new French oak. And I specifically picked this wine and a California Chardonnay that also does not use a lot of new oak. So we're not comparing oak styles because they're similar oak styles so we're right. we're more judging the fruit what what is the deal with chardonnay it seems like people either love it or hate it it's a very controversial varietal if you ask me or does that just have to do with whether you like oak or stainless or, or, or stainless or yeah I mean, or it, concrete it, or, yeah well concrete yeah i don't know i think that People are confused sometimes about oak and stainless. And, you know, you taste an oaky Chardonnay, let's say the one that we all know for sure, Kendall Jackson. You take that oaky Chardonnay profile and you taste that wine and you know everyone says that's oaky. That's what oaky Chardonnay tastes like. Right. But that does not taste like all oaky Chardonnay. Yeah. The best wines on the planet are really oaky Chardonnays. They don't taste anything like Kendall Jackson. So I feel like people get stuck in a rut. Do you like beer? But yeah, I only like Miller Lite, and that's fine. Do you like whiskey? Yes, but I only like Jim Beam. That's the only thing that I like. Everything else is not as good. Everyone has their own opinion of what they like. When you get stuck on something like, say, the only thing you like is Chardonnay, then you might not even try other things. Yeah. But what do we think about what's in the glass? You guys have been tasting and swirling and I, I sniffing, right? I actually have right? just been s- swirling and sniffing. The aroma. Let's let's just smell the wines mm. first. Let's talk about that first. But the, the two wines we're tasting is the, the Albert B. Show Chablis. This is the entry-level, village-level Chablis. And the New World wine is Diatom Chardonnay. And it is a pretty much tiny little winery in Santa Barbara in Southern California. And this is uh, one of the wines that we just recently did in Wine Club. And it gets an incredible score. Really great winemaker and great use of oak, in my opinion. But now that you guys have had a chance to try these two, what do we think? So first thing I asked last time was, which one's fruity? Well, I think, again, the new world is fruity. i got to ask Brad, though. Brad's not a huge fan of oak, so I'm interested to see what his take on this new world. I don't world. find either one of these very oak. I don't either. I really don't. Well, they're not. I mean, they're these not. aren't like. Yeah. No, they're not like, oak. Because I love oak, and I don't get oak off of either one of these. No, these aren't like Rumbauer, you know, where you get inside the oak barrel and lick the inside of the no. oak. No, agreed. Neither agreed. one. I think these are pretty clean. What do you think, Chip? So i got to say, the uh, the nose on the new world, I'm not a fan of. 
You know I what it agree. is? It's got a funky it, nose on it. It's pineapple. It smells like pineapple. It's got a must. So here's. So I was going to ask this the last profile olfactory kind of thing. I think the power of persuasion is so powerful <laughs> because I didn't pick up pepper, but as soon as you said pepper, not only did I pick it up, what I about pineapple that now? What about pineapple? I love pineapple. It's so, not. No, it's you're, not. You're exactly I'm not right. overpowering. Yeah. I'm it's not overpowering your brain. No, you. First of all, you are. Second of all. <laughs> If you're going to be a hypnotist on the side, I think you'd be fantastic. Okay, so I'm here's like the deal. You though, Chip, the nose here's on the, the new world, I get a must, almost a musty I smell yes, off of it. Yes, yeah. Well, so what's that for? What pineapple do you smell? It is musty. Oh, yeah. So, so you asked you at you were teasing him about the Meyer lemon. So it is serious. Like I smell things like fruit, like mangoes. You pick a mango up at the store and you stick your like you rub your nose on it. Rub your face on it to smell it. The last mango I picked up smelled like mango. Pineapples green. pineapples are the same way. You can smell a ripe pineapple. So it's not it's not um, Isn't that kind of rough on the skin? I don't do that with that pineapple too much. I just kind of squeeze them a little bit. Okay. So more than so, we ever wanted to know. So it's not it's not brain trickery. So when a professional wine and I am by no means a professional wine taster. And I don't ever Stop really claim it. to know a whole Stop lot about it. wine. But professional tasters, when they taste a specific wine, they have a set of – there's a system to figure out what aromas to look for, what flavors to, to look for. And we already know that these are both really great Chardonnays. So there's a list of flavors and aromas and specific fruits that these wines typically smell like. And so – uh, that's what I'm looking for when I smell is this specific set of things. So it's easy to pick out if you know that this is very common to smell like four things. But what I think is fascinating and educational, though, is I didn't pick up the pepper on the first New World Sauvignon Blanc. You mentioned it instantaneously. <laughs> I no, picked it up. No, you're exactly but, right. But, but no. if you were looking at it when you smelled and tasted that wine, if you were looking at four different things – that it could be, and you smelled it, you would have smelled it immediately. You would have said, oh, yeah, that's you were looking at four options. Pepper, boom. Again, I'm it. prepping my brain for an expectation. Once you do totally. that, it becomes more powerful. Well, and I think, Chip, I think, Chip when, you, when you're looking at master, you, you get somebody that's in the master sommelier level. I mean, they've gone through, and Matt can correct me, but they have gone through these, these tasting uh, – Regiments, these their protocols, these, these almost. smell yeah. protocols. Yeah. They've got box of of different scents. I have it's like one of those hell boxes. It's like hell week. After I failed you, for the like thirtieth time, the ego in me just gave up. Yeah, you can buy those things and get the different. You know, you kind of train yourself. I, I'm I'm like you. I'm not sure it would do me much good because. As much as I enjoy wine, I I'm a wine drinker. I'm not a wine agreed judge or sommelier. Or I anything also would like not that, have so. brainstormed on a sh- blank sheet of paper that an aroma would be musty blanket. Yeah. yeah, I mean I know it when I smell it. I do, you know, and it, it it does evoke certain sensory recall. There's no doubt about that. We've we've done that on with other bottles we've tasted on the show. You'll get a a hit of something that'll be like, oh, that smells like my grandfather's root cellar. I you know I get that. Well, I think Brad mentioned how humble Matt is. I've known Matt a long time, uh, and I've when when we're sitting here and you call me out on being quiet, which is unique for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm 
profoundly overwhelmed by a guy like Matt who is so passionate about his craft and has put so much into this community. And I think it is actually uh, an undervalued asset. Like it's those of us that know about Matt and know about what he's brought to the community with Barvino and Bar Whiskey is phenomenal. But listening to him talk about it and educate us is phenomenal. It is. And I'll, I'll tell you what. And Matt, Matt doesn't know I'm going to say this. He doesn't know I did it. But I was talking to uh, one of the uh, purveyors that Matt works with. And um, I had just received my wine enthusiast latest issue and it was the 40 under 40, 40 or under whatever 40, yeah but the the 40 under 40 issue were all people from la wine country new york chicago and i'm like i'm gonna nominate matt green for this this guy has done more to expand the the wine drinker base and knowledge of the community than anybody i know and i don't say that to you know to blow smoke what he's done for our community as far as wine knowledge, unbelievable. So thank you, Matt. These two wines, I would drink either of them, but I'm going to go old world again. Studio audience, I'm what with do you, you think? I'm with you. Yeah, me too. Old I, world? I, I, yeah. I do agree with the, the, the funkadelicness of the new this new one. I, it's just got – Tell us why you like the old world, Brad. I like the old world because I think it's it's neat, it's clean, it's um, not oaky. It's and bright. It's, it's it, bright. Like, it bright is a good word. It, it takes word. the acid takes over everything yeah. that's going on. But you know, if somebody serves this new world at a party, I don't drink it. it. It's it's actually very good. It does have a funky nose. It does have a funky if nose. I go, if I can get it past it's, my nose, it's, I'm like, it's every, all yes. of our studio, studio audience is giving it funky the, nose, the funky but nose. Not bad on the palate. Yeah, it does right. have a little effervescence. You're right. It does. Does they're, it? They're, yes. I, yeah. Look. I mean, the, the no, old the world, new one. the new world. No. Oh, oh, okay. We can go. We're gonna go to the new glasses now, so we can get the red wine going. All right, yeah, we're gonna switch glasses. While we're doing that, I did want to talk to Chip about one of his passions. Chip is a pilot. Tell us about your pilot experience. What did you go through to get your license? When did you get interested in flying? That kind of thing. Because we're going to come back to this a little later in the program. Tell us about your aviation journey. Well, it's perfect that our uh, studio audience tonight are Jason Call, Melissa Call, and Pam Gentry. Because um, in uh, 2007, 2008, I was going to uh, get into what my father had been into for a long time, and that was motorcycles. I had scoped it out. I knew exactly what I was going to do, what I was going to buy. And I was probably within a week of pulling the trigger. And uh, I don't know any of our listening audience has ever been through an intervention, either through a loved one or – but that's exactly what happened is I got lulled into a uh, false sense of security of having dinner at the calls. And by the end of the evening and a bit of uh, vino, everyone's crying telling me that I can't buy a motorcycle. And I'm an only child. So because? I'm, well, I like to see how fast things go. And uh, I am a yeah. thrill seeker. And at the end of the day, I recognized they were dead serious. Uh, and so in any event, I, uh, I did exactly what an only child would do, and I decided to show everyone exactly what I would do as an alternative. And so I went across the river and took a flying lesson. There you go. Okay. So I thought it would be a hobby. You do a lot of stuff, and we're going to get into it a little later and let you talk about one of your philanthropic efforts that you use your flying talents and skills with, but... You you do precision flying teams, you know. You you do a lot of stuff with it. It's I didn't just, know that. What is that about? Oh yeah. Oh, What's yeah. precision so, flying? So tell teams. them about. Tell us about precision flying. Uh, let me give you a. I'll ask a question first. Is think about the last time you were driving down I seventy 
and you're right on somebody's bumper, somebody's right on your bumper, and somebody's right to your left or right to your right. You have no idea what that person's training is, what their focus is, whether they're driving when they shouldn't be driving. Maybe they're on something they shouldn't be on. Or texting. Or texting, which is now the new wave, right? Yeah, and it's uh, the new death sentence. Or they've been driving for 12 hours. Yeah. Or 70 hours. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, and you think that's safe because it's something that you're comfortable with because you've been driving your car. But you don't know what's going on around you. Right. In precision flying or formation flying, everyone that's flying in that flight has had the same training, the same briefing, the same language. We wear the same clothes for a reason. Everything comes together as a collective. Yeah. And I know that when we're going to turn left, everyone knew we were going to turn left. Yeah. We talked about turning left. It was planned to turn left. Um, and in fact, the, the best part of formation flying is the accountability, which, uh, a, a guy that, uh, prefers to ask for forgiveness for rather than permission. <laughs> formation flying has been a really good growth factor for me is that That's you get good. down on the ground yeah. and if somebody went right when they should have went left, they're going to hear about it. Well, if if Bon Vivants know the Thunderbirds, the uh, Blue Angels, I mean, that's precision flying at a military jet level. You're doing it in another, you know, at a different level, but it's still... The same spirit. It's, it's still the same discipline. It's the same standard. So we yes. all train to the same standard. There is a number of civilian signatories that the FAA has granted authority to, to award formation flying credentials. So you can fly close together, which normally would be illegal. Right. In wavered airspace or right. controlled airspace, such as an air show, doing it legally. So... I'm a lead pilot for the Red Star Pilots Association, one of the many signatories. And uh, we go around the country now and we uh, we train other civilian pilots on the discipline. And you start out in ground school and you go out on the ramp, on the concrete. You literally sit on the ramp. You look at the airplane stagnant just sitting there. Right. Uh, then you get in with, uh, you know, a two-ship where there's two airplanes and you practice the maneuvers. Then you add a third. Then you add a fourth. And there's safety pilots and all those things. It's not fun if it isn't safe. No kidding. The way we talk about it is no one trades paint. And and uh, <laughs> co- contrary contrary to what maybe some of you are our uh, listeners yeah, may be surprised about very good stock uh, car racing. The Blue yeah. Angels and the Thunderbirds that you mentioned who are phenomenal. They do bump from time to time. And the reason it's not unsafe is because it's all energy, right? And so mm-hmm. they, they are going the same velocity and the same vector and in you know 3D space. But um wow. so uh, they, they touch wings occasionally. Occasionally. It's well, that's, scary that's the fact cool. that they're that close. So so <laughs> I mean, for our Bon Vivants who may be pilots or aviation uh fanatics, what do you fly? I fly a Turbo Piper Saratoga. If there's uh super aviation nerds out there, it's a P32R-301T. Okay, there you go. Oh, well. It's more than that, I ever what, needed to know. That's what I was, that's what I was gonna say. Whether well, there are planes and there are lemons and they have similar characteristics. There you go. Alright. Okay, so we have transitioned to the reds. Yeah, you guys, you guys haven't tried these wines yet. No, no, no. We've been talking. We've been talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about them. I'll be totally honest. First of all, we're going to Pinot Noir. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'll be totally honest. The first thing that I'm going to say about these wines, I'm kind of confused. Uh-oh. I'm confused by these wines. I have a very good understanding of what they should taste like, but my nose is confused right now. So let's talk about that. All let's, right. What, what, do you, what do you guys get out of these wines? 
What aromas are you getting? Oh, I love the nose on both of them, actually. They're both kind of funky. What do you think? I think the old world has definitely got a funk on it. I, I'm sorry. It's and changed then, and then, a few times already since you. the whole time you guys were talking about some stuff that I didn't even know about Chip. I've known Chip for a long time. I didn't know any about this Top Gun flying over here. Precision flying. So um, I think both of them have a mossy oak floor kind of Okay. Nose. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Which one's fruity? That's the first thing that I always try to get. For, which one's fruity out of the nose? I think I get the oh, yeah. world. Of, the, of the varietals I that we've had sweet. so far, these are the two most similar to me nose-wise. There's a lot of wild stuff going on with the old world line. I say old world is fruitier than the new world between these two. It's a I'm different gonna, kind of to, fruit. Uh, I'm going to have to taste. I don't think so. I, I get I get more fruit on the new. I just do, but it, the way it, you rhyme that was fascinating. <laughs> no, I'm, we're professional podcasters. I will here, say yeah. this. I will say this. The old world is very fruity. It's a different. The aromas of, of the old world wine is more like dried fruit or like decayed fruit, like old fruit. The new wine, the Oregon Pinot, is. Like fresh fruit. All right, so good segue. Tell us what we're drinking. Absolutely. So the Old World Pinot, we are still in Burgundy. So Chablis, the previous wine, is a region of Burgundy. And this is the red wine from Burgundy, and it is Pinot Noir from Albert Bichot. So same producer. Albert Bichot is a, the biggest negotiant in Burgundy that you haven't heard of. So we've all heard of Jadot. And they're, they're like number three, number four. Bichot is number three or number four. This is their entry-level Burgundy, Burgogne-level Pinot. And thankfully, this one does say Pinot Noir on the label. Yeah. Um, and it is about 20 bucks. So the New World Wine is a pretty cool winery that is owned by Kendall Jackson. This is actually a winery that I've been to. I haven't been to very many wineries, but I have been to this one, and it was fabulous. And I got to eat lunch with David Adelsheim, which is a really big deal for those who know David. But uh, anyways, this is a, the New World Oregon Pinot from Grand Moraine. And, Willamette Valley. Yep. Yep, yep. So one of the premium, as Dr. Jones would tell you, one of the premium producers of Pinot Noir. On really one, make- of my, one of my favorite places on the planet. I wish yeah. we could have stayed up there longer because I'll tell you what, we had some of the best Pinots. I mean, you, they were just amazing. They really over, make great wine. They're, they're great. I would drink this New World I like all them, day I like long. Them, I, I like them both. both. I, I really like do. Both. I think you hit I think you hit it out of the park on both these, Matthew. I really do. These are these are really good these are excellent i think i think these are excellent examples of old and new world because i think you've got you've got a little bit of the the mustiness and a little less of the fruit on the older on the old world and i think the new world is this is you know if you go out to to willamette and you start tasting i think this is a absolute perfect example of a really nice willamette valley Pinot Noir. I agree. I'm going to say for me, these two have the least differentiation between old and new world. I think they're very similar. <laughs> the, for the your old for world. The listeners, I'm a visual guy, right? I'm a trial lawyer. It's important to understand that Keith literally is rolling these wine glasses like maracas. Simultaneously, left hand, right hand. Left hand, right hand. I could get them going both directions at the same time. <laughs> Price points on these again, Matt. You may have said it, but uh, repeat it for us. Uh, yeah, I think the so the B show is is under twenty bucks. The old world is under twenty bucks. Yep, Albert B show Burgon Pinot Noir, and then the Grand Moraine. Uh, forgive me, it's like it's mid thirties. 
It's actually um, thirty seven because I put the price tag on the bottom. Of the there line. we go, pro move right there. There you go. I love I the guy who knows more facts. This is my first rodeo. I, I love how the guy who knows more facts than anyone I've ever met says, "Forgive me," because he has no notes, unlike other people at the table. You know what they All say right. in the wine business? What, what, no, what, what do, do they say? say? Fake it until you make that it. That brings up an excellent point. You've alluded to it, but I want you to go into a little more detail. How European labels or old world labels are constructed versus new world labels and how you read them. They're in code. In a simple, short in a very is, simple, they kind short, of are in you know. code, and they're a different code. France has a different code than Italy. Yes, it's because but, but I mean, there is it, some it, commonality. It, Correct me if I'm wrong. There is some commonality in that New World usually puts the varietal pretty prominently on the label. You know what grape you're drinking. And Old World seems to be geographic or location-driven versus the grape. Yeah, you totally. have to you have to discern the grape based on the location. Yeah, these two wines are a perfect example of that. Okay, so in the old world, typically the wines were all very regional, so they knew that in Burgundy the best grape to grow was Pinot. It was just common knowledge that Burgundy was Pinot. Right, it was synonymous, and Bordeaux was Cabernet and Merlot. Right, and and you just have to know. Yeah, and they haven't. The tradition has been that they're not going to budge on it. I think there was even labeling laws to prevent the word Pinot Noir from being on the label. I, I think, and again, this just shows my ignorance. I think that was the law, but now I'm looking at this label, and this didn't used to be the case. This just one speak somehow confidently will believe you. Th- this one, this one somehow says Pinot Noir. Yeah. So I, I guess that's not true anymore. But. Um, uh, maybe on higher level wines, you're not by law allowed to even print the word Pinot Noir on the label. Well, and they're appellation driven because you get to like Chateau XYZ, Chateau ABC. You're talking about individual little plots and estates where these wines come from. It's not easy. No. And it's very confusing at times. French wines are really difficult to understand. I say it, we should never drink French wines again. No, they're so good. I'm I know. Thank you. No, they're so good. If it I'm wasn't just for joking. the new world, the old world wines might not be as accessible if it wasn't for World War II. Well, there's well, no, a lot about. of things you could say without in that regard. Yeah. We wouldn't even know what we wouldn't even know what grapes to grow where. We France, I think, gave us a starting point on what areas, what terroir would grow good wine grapes. And the word terroir. Terror. Terroir. Terror. Terroir. And it kind of makes you wonder, too, if, again, from a marketing standpoint, Matt, if they're going to be selling their, quote-unquote, Pinot Noir in the United States, and we don't know that it's called Pinot Noir... Uh, because of what they put on the bottle, maybe they thought, maybe if we're going to be selling this to the states, maybe we should put that on there yeah, too. Yeah, I, I you think know, you're I, right. Uh, just from a sales, just from a sales standpoint, their biggest markets have got to be the U.S. at this point. Otherwise, right? we might oh, be yeah. saying peanut no wire. Yeah. Right. Well, my glasses are empty, and you guys are really behind. So I need a new set of glasses, I guess. All right, here That'll we go. Perfect. While we're but, pouring, well, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to finish up on old world, new world. These wines are changing. Oh yeah. Like they 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 will continue to change and the next wines are going to change even more in the glass. All right, while we're pouring the next wines and we're going to our biggest boldest reds as our final uh taste. We've got two great ones too. We do. I'm yep. excited about these. 
I mentioned earlier that Chip has a philanthropic passion that he has uh, gotten involved in, and I want him to talk about Angel Flight. Now, before he does that, Bon Vivants, if you have been with us for since the inception of the program, one of our earliest episodes was with Master Samayay, Master of Wine, uh, Doug Frost, out of Kansas City, and now has Echo Lands Winery in Walla Walla, Washington. And one of Doug's philanthropic passions is Angel Flight. Chip is involved with Angel Flight, and I want him to tell us about Angel Flight, what they do, what he does. And actually, when we are on the website, we will post connections and links to Angel Flight in case people want to get involved with this and contribute. So, Chip, tell us about Angel Flight. Such a passionate thing. Uh now we, we've had so much fun tonight, and uh, Angel Flight really tugs at my heartstrings in that it's taken a passion that I have, and that is how flight has made my life better, my world better, my family better, you know, my friends better, my law firm better, the clients we represent better. Um, and I knew right away that my my desire to give back uh, rang true, and ultimately I learned of this place called Angel Flight Central, which is uh, angelflightcentral.org. They're based out of the downtown Kansas City airport. And I learned that uh, when I first, I probably had 100 hours under my belt, and I learned you had to have 500 hours under your belt. And that became my driving force, that I needed to get as many hours as I could, as quickly as I could, because I wanted to be able to help out. What Angel Flight has done, Angel Flight Central is one of many charitable organizations they use private pilots, private planes, private aviation, general aviation, and they provide flights free of charge to those folks that commercial travel doesn't work. It doesn't work because of dollars, right? It caught, you right. know, if you need cancer treatment every other week at the Mayo Clinic out of, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Right. You can't get there cheaply. Right. But suddenly free of charge of every other week, a private plane lands at your local airport right in your backyard. It takes you six minutes to get there. You can get to this plane. You take off and you can be at the Mayo Clinic in an hour and a half, two hours, and it doesn't charge you anything. That's what Angel Flight does. Again, connected with a, a network of, of charitable flying organizations throughout the country and before I came over tonight, I was curious where Angel Flight Central was at, and uh, they've done over 32,000 flights free of charge, consisting of 11 million nautical miles. Wow. wow. That's a really special deal. That that's, is. That's incredible. These, these are people that are taking dollars and time and talent out of their day to just assist families and people that just need it. And... Um, can I share a story? Sure. <laughs> Please do. Uh, so I had done a number, number of angel flights, and they, they were all meaningful. They were all touching. They were all people suffering in some way that you sit there and think to yourself, you know, this is me. This is my loved one. This is my spouse. This is my child. This is my parent. And it was uh, it was meaningful in a variety of ways. And there was this one particular flight. And, and I have to give a shout out again to the team at Collins Entry Law Group. If it, if it wasn't for our team collective, if it wasn't for each other looking out for our clients when we're out, uh, if it wasn't for supporting each other and what matters to us, I wouldn't have been able to not only do this particular flight specifically, but I wouldn't be able to do Angel Flight in general. And so I picked up this mission at the last minute because I hadn't done one in a while. It just I picked up a, a a young mother and father and their son, and their son was ten years old, 
And they're so gracious when you meet them. They're so grateful when you meet them. They're so full of love when you meet them. And you quickly learn they are going through the most challenging, oftentimes fatal moment of their lives, you know. And uh, we get up in the air and we're flying along and I just watched their son. And and most of his face was paralyzed. Um, he was a very flat effect child because of he his nerves weren't working. Right. His nerves weren't working because he had brain cancer. Okay. The tumor on his brain was preventing his face from moving the way he wanted it to move. Mm. But he was describing what he was feeling. And it's <laughs> I'm going to do my best to get through this. But it was a uh, it was this amazing thing where he's he's so excited about the how tiny the cars are on the highway below us. And he's so excited about how he can see all of the fields, not just one of the fields when he's normally in his backyard. And. And his parents are just talking to me, and they're like, "Oh, he is—he's so enjoying this. You—you can't imagine the joy you're bringing to him." And uh, you know, I, I took him to his treatment. Uh, we hugged. I flew back. I got you know work done again, and and a few days later, I flew back to pick him up. And uh, they really reached out to me, and they and they talked about how that flight, that one moment, to me was a blip on the radar, right? And to him, it mattered. Yeah. It made a difference, and it, it made a difference not only into how he saw the planet, but his own existence and his own value to it. But yet, at the same time, he was so enamored with what all of us, even around this table, and I love each and every one of you guys, and I know you guys care and put out so much love. It remind, reminded me how important it is to be aware of the small things that seem so insignificant. Yeah. Because tomorrow they may be. And so Angel Flight has brought that to my heart. It's brought that to my my character and my integrity. And, you know, we are all challenged with things in life. And uh, Angel Flight has been one of those things. I suppose I would kind of wrap the bow around. It's okay to be enamored with the, the mundane. You know, it's, it's, it's okay to be enamored with the things that may seem like they don't matter to you or maybe they even annoy you. Just take a deep breath and think about if you were dying of brain cancer as a 10-year-old, how would you see the world? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, Chip. And and actually, you know, Brad and I have talked about this. We're uh, we're going to get behind Angel Flight, and we're going to try and do some uh, some fundraising and stuff like that. And uh, All right. Last two wine. These are really the special treat. You know what really is a bad habit? That wine people get into is they they drink the best wine last, and that's where we that's where we messed up tonight. Is that's that where we messed up. Keith and I don't do that. We How end up the evening. We start at the top of the mountain, no. and then everything works down, and we're kind of like want want want. We we've, we've is, done this I don't know how many times. No way. Is tonight, that a bad habit? I don't know. I don't know. But this is a better habit. Go, All right, go with the very best ones last. All so, right, here we go. So we just had to get some. Well, we just had to get some glasses. Before we get into the, the new world, I, I do want to say that the new world that we're drinking is a Dow product. Dow, Dow, and Dow. Dow Pessimist was a previously reviewed bottle on the podcast. So the listeners, we like Dow. We love Dow. We like we Dow, Dow a lot. Dow is good. All right, tell us about these two. These are a little bit different from the other sets of wines in that. They're different price points, number wow. one. The the old world wine is coming in at basically a hundred bucks and the Dow is about sixty bucks. So that's a difference. 
The other big difference is this old world wine is from 2007. Yeah. And old world, did I say it's new world? A, no, no. The, the old, old world old, wine is from old, 2007. Old yep. wine. Yeah. And the new world Cabernet from Paso Robles is 2020. So there's a lot of differences in these wines. On on paper, in the glass, there's lots of differences as uh, well. Sure. There's a major difference. There should be. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the old world is 2007? Old world 2007, yeah. You mm. can taste it. That's it, the, it is it is very prominent. You can smell it. That was oh, a very fabulous. That was a very fabulous year in history. That was my uh, the year of my anniversary. So so a little bit at the peak of my wine knowledge is is the 2007 vintage. So I've I've tasted lots of 2007s because it was like kind of the beginning of my adventure into wine, and it was also the year that we got married. So I have. Tasted tons of 2007s, and I haven't even tasted... I've tasted this bottle before, but its nose is incredible. It's incredible. You, don't, you almost it's, don't have to put it in your mouth. You can no, taste it through the smell. There's no fruit on the nose, but there's so many other aromas. It's completely... Uh. Different. It's great. It's the groaning you hear in the background is people smelling this wine and just saying, "Ugh, how good what, it is." If you can smell it and not have to put it in your mouth, and you know exactly how good it's going to be, it's legendary. I couldn't say it any better. So this is Chateau Anglude from Margot, which is the left bank of Bordeaux, which they specialize left bank. Obviously, yeah, good one. They specialize in Cabernet. So that this is a Cabernet-based blend um, that's mainly Cab and Merlot. It's got a little bit of uh, Petit Verdot. But the nose on this is very fragrant. There's lots of stuff going on. But none of those aromas and flavors are fresh fruit flavors. To me, this is a really Debbie Downer description of this wine. But it smells like a funeral bouquet. It's a big time Debbie Downer, but that is an incredible aroma. Is it like um, that of small glass? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a terrible description. It's not. But that's actually. what it is. But that's what it is. It's or not it actually. Could, it, uh, it also could be. So let's brighten up the mood. It could be a Valentine's Day bouquet. That's gone How about two that? weeks later. It's, it's gone. No, bad. no, it's it's a Valentine's oh, no. Day bouquet on February twenty eighth. This is what it is. For somebody you really like didn't like very much. Yeah. Oh, do we agree? Does this smell like does this smell like flowers? Like old flowers. Old flowers. No. Love it. No, I just I think, love I, this. I think it's old flowers. It's yeah, it's dried flowers. It's very earthy. Our studio audience it's says earthy, I agree. Okay, so we just we we went down to a little miniature rabbit hole with the Margot, the old world wine. So the last wine that we're doing is Cabernet. So we told you a lot about the old world version of Cabernet, and now the complete opposite, total and everything that has to do with the aromas, the flavors, the way it feels in your in your mouth, the weight of the wine. It's totally different. No, yeah. it's totally it's yeah. totally different. It's it's jammy. I would call it, I would call it kind of a jammy. It's sort jammed. Of I'd jammed. say jammed. Although I will, su- I will like say, space ball, like spaceballs. There are other jammed, there sir. are other New World Cabernets that are jammier than this. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I am not a big jammy Cabernet fan. This has got depth. This has got this is yes, it has fruit, but this has depth. 
this is this is really good. Okay, to so me. let's talk about all the. It does. I agree. You're right. What what are all the different things that we're tasting? So obviously right, but, but, but that. Wait, before we go any further, what are we drinking? I don't think we've even mentioned good that. Good one. Good one. Okay, so we talked about the differences of the wines. So this is 2020 Dow Reserve. So this is a new wine, brand new. Yeah, brand yeah. new, and a lot of 2020 guys got some bad news. Um, there's going to be a lot of really great wineries that don't make red wine in 2020. Yeah. Because of the fires, we had a lot of, oh, a lot of bad, right. lot of bad so this stuff is Paso, going on in wine country. So this is Paso. So Dow did achieve some really great wines, but this is this is their Dow Reserve. It is a very distinct style um, from the winery. Dow is one of the flagship wineries of Paso, and they've been there for a long time. They're, like I said, a benchmark producer, and this is the style of is easy to say tastes like Paso. We told the Dow story in episode 51. Yep, we did. Go back and listen to it. We reviewed the Pessimist blend. I have not had a bad Dow wine. I'll Every single that one way. that we have is They're delicious. outstanding. So back to my question, though. What's the depth of this wine? What all are we tasting? You said it has depth. I agree. So the fruit, obviously, the jam, I can't even put my finger on it. It's like raspberries, blackberries, blueberries. It's like everything that ends in airy. <laughs> but but it, has, cherry. but it does have some what I would call old world characteristics in that a little bit of a a leathery uh, okay you know, leather a, a, a you smoke, said leather a smoked smoke? leather oh he said smoke this is twenty twenty um, now yeah I know but I mean these <laughs> are the joking. things that I'm picking up off of my palate um, that's from the and barrels. I may be wrong um, from the oak maybe yeah it's got a little oak and what else I like it well, where are we going um, now. Help us out, Gentry and Jones I, here. I think I think blackberry is what I get in this. That's um, the deal. What what uh, what else besides the fruit, though? Because we all agree that it's complex. It's it's small glass. I don't it's get this. Glass. I don't get this as being very acidic. No, but it's no. But, I agree. But, but not balance, a lot of acid. No. But balance. This is great balanced. balance. Yeah. Okay, so I'm hit. So it's hitting everything. Wait. Describe that a little deeper. All right, so so it's getting fruit, but I'm getting some acid. I'm getting some tannin. Alcohol. No, not a alcohol, lot of tannin, right? a little Wait, bit of alcohol. We, do we perceive the alcohol? Do we taste it? I don't taste it. I don't it. taste it. I don't taste it. No. This is, Matt, this is the kind of wine, when I drink it, I think, and especially that I know it's a 2020, what would this yeah, taste like? Yeah, what is this like? going to do over What time? would this taste like in 20 years? Yeah. Because I'm thinking so-so. How long is this going to lay down? It just depends. Can you it just totally down? depends on... You know what you were talking about with those old wines. Old wines taste different. Yeah. And if you like yeah. the way that old Bordeaux tastes, if you like the way that this 15-year-old Margot tastes, then that's what you should drink, 15-year-old Margot. Going back to this Margot, I haven't touched it in maybe 10 minutes. Completely different nose. I'm getting hints of uh, stuff off of this that I didn't get before. Wax, flowers. It's flowers. There's tons of... White flowers, violet flowers, lilacs, flowers. That's what I get. Okay, I'll agree with that. That's See, right. If again, I say it enough I, times, I, I if I say it enough times, or flowers, flowers. Yes. I didn't get any wax. And, but now you're thinking it. Now, now literally, not only no, <laughs> no, it's different. No, more specifically, not only am I, not only am I not. Please do not edit that out. Oh my not only god! Am I not thinking it, I'm now smelling it. All right, Man. bon vivants, you have been. Privy to more than you should ever know about this group. 
But what a fun time we've had. Oh, my gosh. Is there All any right. chance we can get into aviation movies? Here we go. <laughs> hey. That's where we're going next. What a great segue. Thank you, Chip. All right. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, for the most heralded. Wait a minute. Wait. Can I do Here we go. Wait, wait. Here we go. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for the top three picks. The three top picks. Or the, or the three top picks. Okay. So because Chip is an aviator, the three top picks today shall be the three top aviation movies, which could include movies about flying, flyers, settings where there might be airplanes involved. So it's kind of broad. I'm interested to see where this takes us. Uh, but that's going to be the three top picks category. Chip, this is the way it works. We each have our three. First of all, I applaud you for being prepared with notes and a list. Yes, notes. Many of our guests have no idea what they're going to talk they about. Wing it. Oh, so there you go. Wing it. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bon Vivant. No, wait. Matt, you gonna are you gonna play along, Matt? Or are you gonna? Uh, I mean, it, it's up to you. Then we don't care. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna wing it. All right, here we go. Okay. Hey, so that's what Keith and I've been doing we, for two years. We let so, the yeah. guests go first. We uh, we do one at a time. Okay. And do we'll we go. have to go first? Can we can we switch it up on you? No, you can't. You have to go Damn. first. Uh, and then. Um, we do honorable mentions. You can have more than one. You know that's okay. But uh, so, Mister Gentry, living in the age of airplanes. All right, explain this because I'm not familiar with it. Most people wouldn't be. So uh, it's narrated by Harrison Ford. Which, if you oh are a, gosh. there you go. Yeah, I've see, heard of him. See, yeah. that's a big so, deal. Hey, I heard. I got a. I heard of him, and I got. A, oh my gosh! Is it a documentary style? It is. Okay. Oh, oh cool. I'm we love definitely watching this. I'm. I'm excited. All right, so let me let me offer this out to the podcast, and if some of your bonerons, right? Bon vivants, bon vivants, bon vivants. or bonerons if you've had six glasses of wine. <laughs> bonerons is just some the of us have poured, some of us have poured down our throats. It's fine. <laughs> it is an amazing grounding in that what aviation has brought to humanity. Okay, so right. here's the basic facts: two hundred plus thousand years ago. When humans were walking the earth, that's all we had was walking. Right. Up to 290 or up to 195,000 years ago, that's what we had to do to get around this thing we called earth. Of course, none of us called it earth then. 5,000 years ago, this thing called the wheel was invented. And that allowed us to go up to about, I don't know, 10, 12 miles an hour. Up until that point in time, it took lifetimes, tens of thousands of years to get from Africa to South America. It just didn't happen. When you get to the last 5,000 years, we had the wheel. It went the wheel to the last 200 years. 200 years of human existence has been walking or the wheel. Then we had this cool little thing at about 175 years ago called steam. Yep. And it allowed, you know, machines to power us around. The industrial age, yeah. And that allowed us to, through land and sea, move around. And it actually didn't make our world smaller. It made it bigger. Because until that point, most of us had only gone about 20 miles. Think about that. And uh, at the end of the day, you look at it's it's December 17th, 1903. The Wright brothers in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, 
figure out how to defy flight. Yep. You know, they defy, they defy gravity. They yep. get off the ground. One of them ultimately dies, you know, uh, not in that flight. But I think every single day that I'm flying, like less than 120 some odd years ago, there are two men that had just this dream, this drive, this maybe uncanny insanity yeah. to, to, Tell all of their friends that they're wrong and that they're right. Yeah. And that they, and yeah. they pulled it off. It's interesting you mentioned that. My, I had a grandmother who was born in 1901. So she actually lived from the time of the first Wright brothers flight to the time we put a man on the moon. That's, that's in her life. It's kind of a mind blower. Isn't and it, it was yeah. like, you're exactly right. How much technology and that kind of thing had progressed in less than a hundred years. Was amazing to me. So, that's, great, that's, great movie. So, so where can can you find what? this? Like on Netflix and stuff? Or? You, you uh, I don't think Netflix. So I have it on. You know, I mean, those of us around the table, at least three of the four of us are old enough that DVDs were normal. All right, Mister Green. So, I just want to be clear about this. This is my number three pick, or this is my we number don't care one. What pick. order you put them in? <laughs> You can put them in. We just please, for the love of God, give us one. This this is a this is a all time classic for aviation. Okay. It sucks that it's for an aviation failure or just a freak accident. Yeah. But it's the real effing deal. Yeah. The movie Alive. Ooh. Aviation and cannibalism. <laughs> Listen, I, I you're hitting, so you're hitting both. That's tough, both man. That's a good. Points. That's a good movie. It's a better book. Definitely a better book. It's a great book. It, it really made me appreciate flank steak. It's and a tenderloin. It it's is. that tenderloin right if, along if, the if, back. If every, next to the spine, if every commercial and charter yeah. flight had a fifty-five gallon drum of that breading that we bred everything in. Oh my god. Okay. I, it was it was it was a That's, consideration for me, Matt. Good choice. All right. So my number one. What tastes like chicken. Tastes like chicken from the studio audience. Oh my god. Oh Jamie. Alright, so my first choice comes from when I was a kid. And I was one of those kids, I'm still a late nighter, my wife can attest to that. Whoa. But even as a <laughs> it didn't come out the way I wanted it to. That's what she said. That's what she said. And uh but you know, on the weekends I would stay up late and watch old movies and stuff. And one of, I'll never forget I saw this movie late one Saturday night called Lafayette Escadrille. So nineteen fifty eight, Tab Hunter, black and white. Clint Eastwood was in it, David Jansen was in it. And it's all about World War One and how these young American flyers that before America was in the war went to France, joined the French. It was basically the French Legion, but they were flyers. They were dogfighters over the French and German lines, the, the German war machine. And it fascinated me, and I just got hooked on it. So... Lafayette Escadrille is one of my uh, three top picks for aviation movies. Okay, so uh, that's another one that I have to add to the list, I guess. 
Haven't seen it. I'm going to check it out. So it may be hard to find. It's old. I no, mean, it's no, old no. and it's black and white. And the uh, magic of. I don't know. You know, again, I haven't seen it for Beta a long Max, time, Matt. but it's. But I don't know what the quality of the special effects are. I don't know if they were. That's, that's like saying you don't care about the quality of the effects in Star Wars. Well, no, I'm just oh, saying I don't remember how I don't remember how realistic it was. I was a kid, but it made an impact on me. It was one of those movies I always remember. I remembered the name of it. It's you like know. Star Wars for me. Yeah. Well, don't jump ahead. Well, my first one, actually, actually, my 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 first one, it's it's a double. And all right, you told me about this. I told you about this. Here, tell us about this double. All right, it's it's a double because there's 80 years between these two movies. What? Yes. All right, here it is. Have you all seen the movie Hell's Angels? It was uh, yes. 1930, uh, and it was the work of a gentleman named Howard Hughes. He well, sure. Went, well, Howard. The, the it was. Howard had moved from Houston. He had married uh, a young lady who was kind of a debutante there in Houston. His father was a multimillionaire down there. He uh, died, and Howard Hughes inherited 75% of that estate at 18 years old. So he didn't want to stay in Houston. That would be pretty cool, though. Well – yeah, was well, that oil money? That was oil money. Yeah, wasn't it was oil it? money. Yeah. Actually, it was not. Oh. It was a bit. He had he had developed an oil bit that he patented that was on every oil bit. So in oil, oil industry, oil but drilling, yeah. drilling money is, is yeah. my understanding. Yeah, and so he had married this girl, and so he decided, I want to go to Hollywood. I want to go out there, and so. Yeah. He made a couple of smaller movies, and so everybody dismissed him because they're like, "This guy is—he's a—he doesn't know anything about making movies." First of all, and we were still in silence at that point. So he started this movie, Hell's Angels, which was actually about two flyers, World War One. Right. Thank you for that. No, no, it's a great, great connection. And he spent four million dollars in 1920 well it took him three three years to make this movie he actually went up they had three stunt flyers died making this movie uh he crashed he crashed and probably shouldn't have ever he crashed and shouldn't have ever been alive because he wanted well, the, the, he wanted this scene where you're doing this dive bomber thing and you, you had to pull up at 200 feet and uh, Howard didn't make it and it was, he just went and somehow two days later he was walking around yeah I mean it was, it was yeah, unbelievable but, but didn't the the injury and stuff caused him to like get addicted to opioids and stuff like that, and well, like it really well, messed him up he, for he a long had, time. He had so many. His mother he had a lot of issues. I know that. And it starts with his mom. His mom was a major germaphobe, and yeah. he was too for the rest of his life. Yeah. So anyway, they wondered what was going to happen with this movie. Well, it actually was rather successful. Yeah. Now it did not recoup four million dollars in that year's money i mean that we're talking 
we're talking 250 300 million dollars in today's today's money. in today's money you bet. Yeah. but it was a major major film as far as aviation is concerned because yeah. it was the first time they actually went up and they filmed the dog fights and stuff they used real flyers and they used well yeah they and, did and point and, of view cameras and, and stuff like that yeah. you know a bunch of chips said there's no way I'm doing this you yeah. know there is this is the most dangerous there is no way we're going to be doing anything like this so then you jump ahead to 2004 all right the aviator that okay. was made there was a movie made about howard hughes you bet. uh dicaprio uh, john c yep. Riley. one of the best performances of alan alda i've ever seen in my life really it was one of as, alan as the uh committee against uh, yeah he was a senator yeah. he was a senator. american affairs yeah yep Phenomenal. And well, at Kate that Blanche time, great and at that time Howard Hughes was also uh, – well, who was in the movie? Gene Harlow. It was a very young Gene Harlow and, yeah. of course, Howard sort of had a propensity for Gene Harlow types. And uh, she, it, But that movie made her career. Yeah. And uh, – Great movie. Two yeah, great movies. Good great choice. Movie. Yeah. So you're, you're doubling Scorsese up. Scorsese made the second one. You're doubling up. And I, I, I agree. Years. Yeah. I agree. Great, yeah. great combination. Gwen Stefani played, uh, actually, Gene Harlow. Really? Yeah. Gene I did Harlow not know a, that. Gene Harlow was, a, was a, uh, a tragic figure. She she died at like 26, 27. Yeah. She had a We now know what no, Keith's uh, Google search is tonight. Yeah. Gene she Harlow. Was, she was a beautiful girl. She was... She'd give a dog a bone. But the book. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're editing this, and you're not helping. I'm just saying. All right. First of all, I think an unedited version of this would have you seen this movie? Everything. Have you I seen think this we film? Just, I want to see this podcast. Because turn into my a wife's film. head will this, ex- this podcast. My oh. wife's head will explode. But I think we're just going to let this go and just release it as is. I'm not doing any hundred percent. I promise right. that would be a lot less work. It will be a lot, less work. a lot more people. It'd be a lot more listening. fun. Oh my god! All right. Absolutely, Jeff. Doctor Gentry, Doctor number two. Yeah. Counselor Gentry, number Counselor. two. Counselor. Okay, so I, I object. <laughs> I had to throw that in there somewhere. I'm sorry. Well, to the extent you can't handle the truth, Keith. Ooh. Nice, nice reference. All right. Uh, no I was only prepared for one aviation movie. So here's my second on the fly. No notes. You can have any of your people here analyze the notes. No, no. We're not, this is not the notes. Detailed. The movie that I came I would I would suggest would be always. John Goodman's in it. Who's a who's a Missouri boy? Yes, he is. Um, Say it's, it's great designed the, the plot for anyone that has not seen always is around firefighting. <sighs> That's what it is. I couldn't remember what the setting was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great movie. And a, uh, a particular character dies early. Yeah. Um, because he's doing Audrey. what he, he's doing what he loves. Well, yeah, but is that the one that Audrey Hepburn is in? No. Okay. No, that, she's in that a, sounds like Wizard of Oz or something. She's in a smoke jumper type. No, no, no. She's in a smoke jumper type movie where she's like, we digress. No, John Goodman. Always okay. I, great movie. I loved it. Uh, and and so the, so I guess the next question would be why is it one of my favorites? Uh, be, it's before I started flying. It's it's before I started understanding what aviation meant to me and to my family and what I would want to convey in the event I was trying to convey 
what it means to love and care and support and to be something more than you are, you know, in a given moment. The acting is phenomenal. Uh, it's a pretty basic script, a pretty basic plot. It's the, uh, you know, somebody dies, somebody's left behind, somebody's trying to figure out why they're left behind and why someone died. It jerks the tears. Yeah, it's a great movie. And I will uh, just, you know, I happen to have a resource here at my fingertips. Uh, Holly Hunter yes. is in it. Uh, Richard Dreyfus is in it. He's the one who dies. And um, Audrey Hepburn. Is also in the movie. She is. She is. Is she, is she a? Uh, is she like a traffic control? No, she is a a ghost. She is a spirit. As okay. I so so let's I rewind would... the tape for a second. Now you... I, I I just you know I I have I can't remember to take the trash out on Wednesday, Chip. But I have a certain thing about movies that I remember certain things about it, and I do remember that movie. And uh, yeah, it's a great movie. I agree. It is great choice. It's my second choice. Great choice. Good choice, Chip. Can't can't argue with that, uh, Mr. Green. Hey, Matt, you're. Would you like us to skip? We could go right. So no, I'm I'm loaded. I'm loaded right now. <laughs> we know that. So let me just ask a question. Does anybody have Star Wars on their list? Well, there's flying. Does around the Pope in that. wear a funny hat? Okay, so Star Wars is a big deal to me. I'm not. I'm not a Star Wars aficionado. Yeah. Or I don't really I, agree. I don't really know a whole lot about them other than I've watched those movies so many times. What? So why Star Wars? Okay, so Star Wars, there's a lot to choose from. Yeah. Star Wars is what I grew up on. It was a really big deal. It was just a classic always. Immediate. And it was a classic for my kids. Um Yeah. Yeah. They both love all the Star Wars, but there's one Star Wars film that sticks out. Yeah. And it might have to do a little bit with the experience that I had the first time I viewed this movie. So The Force Awakens, when I first viewed it, it was like the first time when lots of people outside of my generation first viewed it in the movie theaters. Yeah. And it was like pumped up to be a really big deal. And I got to go and watch it with like my five-year-old son. So. Cool. It was something that that he had already he'd already seen the trilogy, you know, and he knew about Star Wars, and then to see the next really good episode unfold was awesome. Cool. So the Force Awakens is a solid number two. I actually did have Star Wars on my honorable mention list. Nice because of the the, the original Star Wars, the you know the whole run to the is that a, a New Hope? Yes. It, it, Episode six or seven, whatever the number one was in 1977. Episode oh, that, four. That'd be episode four. That'd be a new. Thank hope. you. I am not. I am not a Star Wars aficionado, but I have liked the Kessel Run. Is that what we're talking yeah, about? The Kessel Run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just. It was. It was so cool. No, 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 no. When Luke had to get the the run down the canyon in the in the Death Star, Death Star, who definitely and, failed to pay for their work comp insurance. Exactly. Yes. So the reason Luke was so skilled at that trench well, was the were, force. We all know why. No, 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 no. It was the force. It, the force no. was with him. He didn't believe in the force at that time. He he didn't come oh to terms God. with it. We have gone way beyond my Star Wars knowledge. He didn't so. know about the force. That's true. That's no, no, because like, it was like Obi Wan like, was like, "Use the force, Luke." Use he wanted the force. he wanted Luke to use the force. So Luke didn't use the force. 
That's like Ray Luke not knowing that she is powerful. Luke right. ultimately grabbed on the force. We've gone way beyond what I care about Star Wars. Oh, okay, are you kidding me? No, no, I love it's, Star it's, Wars. It's but fine. This is like this is like the Harry Potter. You guys, no, 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 no. This is not going to Comic Con. This is like the dressing up like Obi Wan Kenobi. Let me talk this for a second, Keith, just to wind this up so you can edit this into the final production. We're not editing this. I hope to God you're not. Literally, you will. This is this is gonna be. This may be our biggest episode ever. It should be. Here's why. This is the one that's gonna go viral. Here's why. Here's why. When Luke and Biggs were poor and they didn't understand what it meant to care about anything, and they were in Beggars Canyon and T sixes shooting womp rats, it didn't matter then. You guys can laugh all you Who's want. Biggs? You guys can. Who cares? You guys can laugh all you want. What happened is ultimately they found themselves in a position to save humanity and democracy, and democracy and the yeah, the, yeah. the the ability to care okay. and bring everyone together, right. including the shiny droid that got polished up after the laser beams. I got nothing for you. The Republic. Okay, so my number two pick is uh, it's actually a tie. <laughs> Because they're so similar. And that is Midway and Tora Tora Tora. Mm. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Midway, Excellent. 1976. Which is really choices. Star Wars Redux. Well, no, no. I get that. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Star Wars is all, you know, derivative of all that stuff. But Midway was like a bridge too far in the South Pacific. Cast of cast thousands. And all of them were superstars. All of them were superstars, or going to be superstars. Yeah. And Tora, 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 the thing I thought that was interesting about that, and I put them together because I think they are companion movies almost, although they were made, you know, six years apart. One is from Japanese, one is from the Japanese perspective. from the Japanese perspective. Exactly. And so that's something as Anglos we never really had before. So it was so interesting to see it from the Japanese perspective. From the losing perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Well, winning perspective for one day, at least. Yeah. Because that was the raid on Pearl Harbor, and yeah. let's face it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? <laughs> no. They came out on top on that day. They did. Okay. They did. All right. they did. Okay. Sometimes so. you win one play, and then yeah, but you, you know, still you win can, the touchdown. You can it, win it, the it, battle and it, lose the war, right. and I think so that's, that's, I think that's, that's the, the story that we're talking the, about. That is that is the quote. Right exactly. There. All right. So those that's my number two. Number two. Um, number two. If you if you want to have a film about a quintessential about flying, those magnificent men and their flying machines. Oh my gosh. Nineteen sixty five. It's just fun. I, I mean, gosh, that, you know it's it's. You know they, they've got. Uh, it was at a time in aeronautics where you got biplanes. And yeah, people yeah. are trying to see how fast and how far you can go. Yeah, and they had yeah. a race, and there's a girl involved. Of course, and you know, um, Sarah Miles was in that. She was yeah. a very young uh, actress in that at that time. So anyway, yeah, actually Great. won a won Academy <laughs> Award for screenplay. Great yeah. choice. Yeah. Great choice. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. All right. So, so now we're on to our top. So we're at this, number three. This, this is what like, I built up to be like my number one, not my number three. That's okay. No, no, no. You can do it in any order. I, I do want to go back. One thing I forgot to mention in Lafayette Escadrille, yeah. another young actor in that movie, Tom Laughlin. 
Oh, really? Oh, Laughlin, huh? Who was? Billy Jack. Billy Jack. <laughs> Billy Jack. Come on, man. Yeah. All right. What an actor. Chip, number three. <laughs> my number three. I'm going to go with uh, my good buddy's suggestion, which I echo, the right stuff. You son of a bitch. Oh, you son of a bitch. Did you have that too? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so weird. I didn't, I didn't have convenient notes like you All guys right, had. so we got a three. We got a three for. A three for. Or a four for. Nope. 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 So, I'm going to okay. so, so, so talk us through the the right stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah, let's yeah. let's uh So why is it why does that resonate with my good buddy Jason Call of Call and Gentry Law Group and me? Shameless plug. Go ahead. Wait, first of all, we're all shameless. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh easy. Number 1 is these men were egotistically selfless. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. absolutely. The I biggest mean, egos on the planet. They were uh, definitely uh, the uh, biggest. On the other hand. But, however. The biggest. Keith, let me teach you go psychology. Ahead, go ahead. Never say but, always say however. However. <laughs> go ahead. You, you, I don't want to steal your thunder. <laughs> no. However, anytime the ego is huge, it's likely ready to like explode like knowledge and experience and a genesis on a generation that they never experienced. It ain't bragging if you can do you, it. It, right. it. It has to be backed up by ability. And these guys yeah. had the had the ability and the cojones to cojones do it. is it. They didn't know what they were getting into. So the they re- had no idea. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Great choice. But here's why I picked the right stuff. The astronauts, certainly. But the one that got left behind was Chuck Yeager. Yeah, breaking breaking all the the airspeed records that got them to the point where they could go. I don't know what the word um, beyond beyond Bach. yeah, and beyond the atmosphere. You know, um, Chuck Yeager, it's the a, man, yeah. the man. Well, that's why I picked this film because not only does it it talks about our aviation past as it melds into our aviation future, which is you know. Putting someone into space and, outer, and Chuck Yeager outer being space. In, in outer space and Chuck Yeager being in the movie, yeah. I thought was the coolest thing in it the world. Amazing. And they put him in a little, they put him in an old hat, and he's behind the bar. And I just thought, and the, I, just, the, I just thought it was the coolest well, thing my to do. Thing was, every time he was doing a test flight, he would go his technician and go, "Got a, got any beamins?" Well, that was. He goes, uh, "Well, I think I got a stick," and he'd give him, you know, he'd give him gum. To help clear the the pressure in his ears and stuff, you know, you always as a scuba diver, you know, you got to equalize. That was Sam Shepard, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying that, yeah. you know, it was because he wasn't a college graduate, because yep. he wasn't didn't wear a ring from the Naval Academy or whatever it was. He got left behind in the astronaut in the aeronautics program. You know, he was right there in the bar. You know, Chuck, oh, yeah. Chuck Yeager yeah. was. I thought that was brilliant. But a great scene was, too when he chases his wife out into the desert on horseback. Yeah, so I, I mean, you had Dennis Quaid, Scott Glenn, you had Ed Harris, who was all star. Uh, that is one of the best casting of a movie. I mean, those those guys were amazing. Yeah. I'm a failure. Barbara, I'm a failure. Barbara Hershey. You've not wait. Okay, wait a minute. What what year? What year are we talking? 1983. As like I see the light in your guys' eyes. Oh no, no, you gotta watch this is the rest of the movies ever no, made. All, of these, all of these, I got it. I got it. <laughs> all right. So you guys all had the same top. The no, top no. Hit. Well, that's one of them. 
All right, do you have any more? I I I kind of went like I just thought about the best movies ever in my list. Not aviation movies. When you like, <laughs> well, maybe I think he's kind of go, going. No, off believe topic. it or not, believe it or not, like I didn't bring any notes. Joe Rogan's I didn't, podcast. I didn't bring any notes. <laughs> I didn't bring any notes, but like All I right, did some. Go for it. I did some serious brain activity to think about the best, the best ones. Let's see what you got. And this is my top one. Right. This is this is the best, and I and I started. Like opposite, I didn't. I didn't go. If I didn't you say go, a like, chorus line, I'm gonna slap. No, you. no, 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 no. No, listen, listen. The best, like Please the best of line. all time. The best movies of all time. Okay. Like I all started right. going down the list. And I was Does like, they even have an airplane in it? Yes, absolutely. Okay, all right, go it's well. airplane based. The we're whole very, movie. The whole movie close. is airplane. I know what you're gonna say. It's a comedy. Yeah. It's not. It's not a comedy. It's action. Oh, really? It's we're action. All right, we're waiting. And, we're and, all. We're all waiting on. And hold on. Pins just let me, let me. Let me. Let me get like the whole thing here. This is all only right. a three-hour so, podcast. I'm sorry. So I went the other direction. I just thought best movies ever. All right. And I'm thinking like, what's on my top list? And I'm like, holy shit! There's there's an airplane movie on my list. We're we're waiting with bated breath. <laughs> And, and my God, it's one of the best Christmas movies of all time. It is Die Hard. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, Super come on. on board with this selection, actually. Absolutely. <laughs> so, like, views. I, I love Die Hard. Oh, yeah. I love Die Hard. And he, he does fly. To, but other than that, what is the airplane part? No. Uh, Yippie Kaye. Well, yeah. That's the most classic Yippie Kaye ever. And he, he doesn't have a flight. It's, the, it's a it's an airplane hostage movie, right? Is it not? He doesn't have a flying squirrel suit, and as a result, the bad guy dies. Okay, thank you very much, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Okay, all right. What do you got on honorable mentions? I got several honorable gone. mentions. All right, here we go. Airplane. Airplane. Absolutely, that was on my One list. Of the right. That was on my list. Agreed. Agreed. The audience, Agreed. the studio audience, approves. Keith, over, under, underdone. <laughs> Don't call me Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> One of the great quotables. Right, yes, yeah. one of the great quotable movies. Uh, Roger, the other thing Roger. is uh, the Twilight Zone, the episode of uh, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Yeah. The gremlin on the pl- on the wing. Yes. And there are a couple of versions of that. You know, William Shatner in the original Twilight Zone. You want to see and something the, really scary. In the movie, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sully. I thought Sully, Sully was a good aviation movie. Sully is movie. considered one of the best. It, that was a great, great movie. We've already talked about Star Wars, but uh, Independence Day I thought was a cool aviation movie. If nothing more than the uh, the guy who flies the old uh, Zero or whatever it was into the he's crop duster. the crop duster. Yeah, who? Um, yeah. Thank you. And then, of course, Top Gun and Maverick are Gibbons. One I had was uh, the Great Waldo Pepper. That was a that was a wonderful movie with um, um, Robert Redford. Robert Redford. Yes, and they did the the barnstorming barnstorming tour. Exactly, the Great Waldo Pepper. Great movie. Yeah, great flyer movie. Honestly, you guys, I think there's two movies that are very important that we're missing. All right, okay, go for it, Tom Hanks. In Apollo 13. Well, yes. that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good movie. That's an intense obviously. movie. I yeah. thought obviously. you were going to say something else, which Brad and I talked about. Tom Hanks in Terminal. 
Terminal, Damn, which is not, is a, not a flyer one. movie, that but it is, is aviation. in the airport terminal. That wasn't my other one. Yeah, that wasn't my movie. other animal movie. movie. Go ahead. What's your second one? That's Bruce Willis. Terrible. Asteroid. Asteroid, yeah. No. He's um, talking about Deep Impact. No, no, no. You're Meteor. talking about uh, Armageddon. Armageddon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Armageddon. Armageddon, thank yeah. you. Yeah. The best. So, Doug yeah. came Asteroid. out Tom Hanks and uh, Deep Thoughts. How about Radio Flyer? Oh, oh there you go. Absolutely. Radio Flyer's a, a deep Kevin movie. Costner. Yeah. Radio Ooh. Flyer is phenomenal. That is a. And that is a deep decision. movie. That is a deep movie. That launched a couple of that launched a couple of young actors' careers. It did yeah. yes, my wife. Yeah, I love Radio uh, Flyer. Pam Gentry mentioned it, and, and uh, in all seriousness, it's like those type of topics are the type of topics that we more often or not are trained to avoid. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the mental health and the abuse yep. and you children bet. and yep. vulnerability and you innocence. Bet. And it's, uh, a d- it's a deep, deep movie and a very, vo- very well done. Hey, Bon Vivant, bon- we've had a wonderful time. <laughs> We're going to wrap this up. We're going to wrap this up. This has been a fantastic evening. We could go on for evening. hours, and we have. And uh, we, hope all of you are, we hope all of you are good. We love you all. Keep keep listening even after this yes. episode. Don't give up on us that's, after this one, folks. That's right. And we will talk to you all soon. Right. And, hey, Keith. Cheers. We Like That Too is produced as a labor of love for the enjoyment of Bon Vivants everywhere. To get information about our bottles and links to our guests, go to our website, welikethatpodcast.com. Tune in to new episodes by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. Please remember to rate, review, and share. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Like That Podcast. So everybody, hey, remember the numbers. One bottle. Two good friends and three top picks because we We like like that that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too.